Howdy, everybody. Welcome to Star Trek Culture. I'm your host, Liana Ahmed. I'm here with my co-host, Steven Schinder. We're going to Hello. talk about Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 1, Episode 10, the season finale. The episode is called No Small Parts. Uh, but first, before we get into the episode, we're going to talk about some breaking news. Then we're going to hit the high points. And oh, we're also going to talk about those Easter eggs, because this is Lower Decks. You can't have Lower Decks without Easter eggs. Then we're going to end with our predictions for uh, Season 2. And just because New York Comic Con happened today with the Star Trek panel, we're going to save some of that breaking news for the end, because some of it does impact this show, and we don't want to over-spoiler it at the beginning of the show. You know what All I mean? Right. So my first announcement is uh, for the breaking news segment is related to the Trek Out the Vote. Uh, Will Wheaton is hosting 19 of your favorite Star Trek icons this coming October 13th. It is a drive donation for specific candidates, so we don't want to get too political here. But, I mean, Star Trek is political, but as far as political parties in the American system, let's just say that uh, Will and company are supporting a specific candidate. And if you're, you want to support the same gentleman then uh, go for it. It's called uh, Trek Out the Vote or Trek the Vote to Victory. There's a couple of different ways you can Google search it uh, to your heart's content. I will be there, and I hope to see you guys there, too, if you're interested. Steve, what, what do you have for us? Right, and yeah, and regardless of whoever you support, like just vote to make a difference. Like That's the thing, but yeah. So uh, what I've got in terms of Star Trek news, uh, we got the Star Trek Prodigy uh, announcement of a certain returning cast member to the Star Trek universe. And yeah, they announced this at New York Comic Con. Uh, there's like a video that they posted online, and it is Katie Mulgrew returning as Captain Janeway. So, <laughs> yeah, so. You know, in modern Trek, we've seen the return of certain familiar captains. Like, we saw the return of Pike in Discovery Season 2, and Picard, and you guessed it, Picard, and now Janeway. <laughs> so it's like, what, what's next? Are we going to get Cisco's return? <laughs> for maybe maybe come back in my... <laughs> right, but yeah, this should be interesting, I think, because... In the video, she said she's excited to be, like, I, this children's captain, because, like, I guess these kids find a derelict Starfleet ship, and I'm not sure when this takes place. Like, because they're calling her Captain Janeway, I kind of think this might be between the end of Voyager and Nemesis, by which point she's Admiral. So I'm very curious to see how this ties in. But what was your reaction to the announcement? I was ecstatic that Mulgrew was coming back. You know, um, the funny thing is, um, privately, I'm also just starting to rewatch Star Trek Voyager again. I literally saw the first episode last night, and I forgot how many things I liked about it. And that first season for me was, you know, it was okay, but then it, I just, I got hooked like every other Star Trek series. I got hooked into it, and I, and I really liked her character. Um Point being the first conversation she has when Harry Kim asks, you know, calls her ma'am. She's like, no, Captain will suffice. And I just love that she took gender out of it. She owns yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. She's like, doesn't matter if I'm a girl or a guy, I'm a captain. That's all you need to know. That's what I loved about her character. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be interesting to see her be like a mommy 
<laughs> or something like that. You know, it'll be kind of funny if that's what they do. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like, I always felt like Voyager had, like, this family vibe to it, because, uh, you know, on TNG, they're all, like, friends, they work together. On DS9, you have the father-son thing with uh, the Cisco family and also a couple other things, but Voyager had, like, this vibe where, to me, it felt like Janeway was, like, the mother figure of the ship, and it, it kind of felt family sitcom-y to me at times. Um, sometimes that was great, sometimes eh, but yeah, like, it felt like she could be a mother-like figure who can show that she cares about the characters, but is also able to call them out on certain things and, you know, uh, have them, like, try to have them learn something from the things they're going through. So, it kind of feels like a natural fit to me, in a way, as opposed to, like, I don't know, like, I can't see, like, Captain Kirk being, like, a parental figure to... <laughs> well, he, he wasn't exactly a... You know, he right. did care about his son, but <laughs> we never saw him be a father, right? I think you, you right. read about it, but you don't get to see it. Right, um, it's like, maybe if you look into some books or something, maybe some what-ifs are out there, but, you know. I think, you know, with me, with with Mulgrew, and then we'll go to the next um, announcement, I think we have one more, or we're saving that one to the end, right? Never mind. Um, there's the warrior goddess concept, you know, in Hindu mythology and mythologies I grew up in. And so she reminds me of that warrior goddess where you have to be, um, um, maternal, but you also are, uh, the giver of justice or the bringer of justice. And you're going to, you're going to, regardless, Durga, you know, Parvati, they're going to bring the hammer down on you. They're going to, they're going to do it lovingly, but they're going to bring the hammer down. So that's why it's said with all sorts of reverence and respect that I say she's got a mother-like quality. Absolutely. So. Right, it's it's not like the cliche generic mother right. figure who's just exactly. there. Like there, there's more to it. It's there's more, more depth to her for sure, and that's yeah. what I can't wait to explore in this. So I'm excited that she's coming back. It'll be interesting. Okay, so um, well, let's get into it. Let's get into uh, that season finale. We've got uh, what's your Easter egg count for this one? So I counted seven, but I think you noticed like a couple or a few more that I might not have picked up on. Right, I think we talked about this before, like in, as we we're planning this, like the, the What's icons an Easter on egg? <laughs> the Easter egg. Like I'm looking at the screen to the side, you know, like counting all the different, like pausing every five seconds, and I count a little bit differently than you, but I roughly about eleven or twelve to me, just depending on how many. And there's some that I don't recognize i know they're easter eggs i just didn't have the time since we're doing this like a few hours after the fact i have a chance right. to like look them up but i know there are a few that i missed and i'm counting them so if i really counted mine it'd be 15 so okay <laughs> okay <laughs> i can always count on you to do the counting count more accurately me. yeah <laughs> nice thanks <laughs> thank you all right so with that like let's go into the story itself We've got um, a lot of little things to talk about. That opening scene was all TOS. <laughs> yeah. That Come on, that was just straight up TOS. Uh, we went to um, the Beta 3 planet. Landry was back online the, <laughs> because those legacy planets <laughs> tended to go right. revert back <laughs> to who they were. Um, what did you think of... Uh, the uh, the commentary around around them coming back to that planet and having to like 
you know, it was all like they, they referenced Kirk, they referenced Enterprise, they referenced all of that. We'll talk about yeah, TOS. it felt like the episodic nature of some of the older Star Trek shows where you expect the status quo to be reset. So I wonder if this is like an intentional commentary on that, like, oh, the people on this planet are doing the same thing all over again. Or maybe it's a commentary on real life where some people will start doing like certain things again, even after like learning and whatnot. And it's so hard to break. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a cycle. <laughs> but yeah, this was specifically referencing the TOS episode Return of the Archons. Yeah. Um and we also got like when they're looking at the data pad, I think, and reading up on uh Kirk and Company's mission, you got like the the animated series drawing yeah. style on there. <laughs> I love that. I love that reference to the, the animated series. And, you know, uh, uh, Ransom calls it the TOS generation, and obviously he has another term for it. You right. can say it. I'm going to say the next one. <laughs> yeah, those old scientists, I think he right. said. Yeah, that's what he said. And so, obviously, I went through all the rest of the acronymed ones. And when TNG aired, there was a, an acronym that was floated around just as it was airing, which was those new guys. So, right. you know, but yeah, so I, I kept that one in my, I was like, ah, I wonder, you know, obviously McMahon and I are roughly the same era. So uh, I wonder if he, that's where he was trying to get to. And then obviously like Deep Space Nine, I think there was a deep S, I'm not going to say the word. Chaz <laughs> And we're trying to keep this PG. Uh, like I think right. the past times we've like cursed up a storm. We were we were given notes. <laughs> right. We, we we can't do an F bomb unless we're on CBS All Access or something. Right. Us. <laughs> <laughs> and even never gonna get bleeped. All right. Um, so then let's go on to the next bit. Like uh, we know from the previous episode, Boimler finds out that Mariner is Freeman's daughter, and he's the only one who knows, and it screws up his a, a chance to go into a specific workshop, etc. And uh, we, we're we still stuck on Beta 3 because Mariner's doing her thing. She's being a Robin Hood. She's selling art supplies. I don't know if she's Robin Hooding that or if she's, like, profiting off of that. She's got some Ferengi in her. But they... Uh, right. But she starts to... She's selling art supplies to help them get over Landru, and... Boimler is like, no, 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 you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do your thing. And not because you're my mentor, but because your mom's the captain. And I know this now. And what are your thoughts on how they, they went about letting the rest of the, 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 the ship find out? Yeah. So in my notes at that moment, I jotted down Boimler effed up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so like, it's like, of course it would happen this way. Like Boimler wouldn't, intentionally like let it out but it would just so happen that they'd be listening and they'd find out and it, it's a weird thing how to them it matters so much like knowing that mariner is the captain's daughter and it's like i don't live within this type of bubble that they work in so i guess i don't really know how big of a deal it would be in that type of environment. But looking from the outside, it's like, why should it be a big deal, I guess? Um, nepotism and favoritism. So in any sort of corporate situation, that's my day job. You don't ever want to work for like a, a spouse or have a spouse work for you or a child work for you. Even if it's an internship, it looks kind of, it looks bad. 
Um, there's a lot of connotations around that. And and it was all explored when she takes that, you know, gauntlet down the corridor and everybody's trying to get her, you know, to do stuff. We'll, we'll get to that because once Boimler gets, you know, F's up and gets caught yeah. F'ing up, they cut to the opening credits. And then we get to see another California class ship. Yeah. Something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've actually been to Solvang with a few friends like four years ago. It was a cool place. I have never been. It's some place I really want to visit. I just haven't had a chance to get up there. I will. I will. Soon enough. Well, once things open up again in California, we'll see. Right. Yeah, um, the buildings look really cool there. It's it's old school, right? It's like it's very. It's not uh, modern at all. It's kind of kept in whatever era it was built. I don't know if it's right. Art Deco or not. But uh okay so the uss solvang a captained by our uh previous captain of the the rubido i just blanked on her name do you remember dayton i believe yeah um, anyway so she's got a brand new ship you know she um her previous ship turned into a space alien and so this one she and the first time through you don't catch it until the very end but everyone's in their socks because she's making she doesn't let anybody wear shoes and she even doesn't let the film uh peel off the the new consoles she's like trying to keep the film on and i'm actually one of those people who does that in real life with some of my phones i've done that <laughs> but, um my friends know that i actually turned in a phone uh, back in the early days like when people were first starting to text and everything it wasn't even touchscreen but i, I kept the film on there <laughs> until the yeah. film end. I used to have, like, the film on one of my phones that I used to have, and, like, I eventually realized that the reason my camera looked blurry was because a part of the film that was on it was blurry, so I just peeled it off and just never looked back. <laughs> this phone predates camera phones, <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. So, I learned my lesson. Once camera phones came around, I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> Like, oh, that's, yeah, I learned your lesson, too. That's kind of, it's funny you say that, because I literally, yeah. that's how I learned my lesson, to not keep the film on. It was very, very hard. All right, so, well, we see the ship get destroyed, and we see it get destroyed in a very cinematic way. And the way it gets destroyed is reminiscent of one of the newer movies, or um, what did we decide it was? I don't think we decided, because... Yeah, it just reminded us of a couple of different ship deaths. <laughs> right, because... You know, the Enterprise gets, like, de destroyed in the search for Spock and Generations and um, Beyond. Although in Beyond, it lasted forever. It was kind of irritating to me when I saw it, but anyway. <laughs> that's a whole other topic. Yeah. All right. Um, apologize. That's uh, that's Xena. So um, we'll just have to live with Xena for a little bit there. She's just excited. Yeah. Uh, all right. So... The next thing we see, we kind of cut to a a new, a whole new section. Um, we've got uh, the exocomp coming on board, new recruits coming on board, and exocomps. That's a that's a straight TNG reference. Uh, we all know, you know, want to talk about that a little bit. Um, right. I, I think I forgot to jot that down as an Easter egg, <laughs> actually. Oh, really? Yeah. That was. Yeah. That was a cool one because that says that exocomps were given the sentiency that we all thought they deserved and more on that in a little bit um that exocomp was was cute at first and then we start to you know i start to question that um and what was cute about it was that it was wearing um uh a little 
uniform. And now I wonder if some of the memes and some of the things that people were throwing at us and some of our, our beloved Facebook groups weren't basically writers of the show trying to decide how to dress an exocomp. Because remember all the things about the pants go on this part of the ship? No, they go on this part of the ship. Basically, they were trying to dress the exocomp. Fight yeah. me on that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I've seen these <laughs> memes, but I'll just take there. your word for it. Yeah, there's some memes out there about how to put pants on a, on a starship because we have nothing else to do. <laughs> I mean, I imagine this is probably like that meme of like, how do horses or centaurs yeah. wear pants? Exactly. It's the same thing, but we've done it to all the starships with the Star Trek. Of course. <laughs> and so they just did it to the Exocop, and I wonder, yeah, like I said, I'm fairly confident we were helping the writers out with that. <laughs> <laughs> And what we learned from Mariner at this point in time from her mother, like why she didn't want her daughter to be known, just beyond what I said about just the whole nepotism issue, is that Mariner's the most demerited um, Starfleet person in Star. Yeah, so right. that was uh, that was kind of interesting. And then there was a there was a promotion up for somebody to go to the USS Sacramento, another California class ship. And yeah. one more <laughs> refers to it as the sack. As the sack. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's such an easy joke to make, but, like, they had to, I guess. As their friends that used to live in the sack, and that's what they used to call it. They had, some, they had the sack, the sack nasty, whatever, when the Sacramento right. Kings used to play up there. Um, so then, this is when we're talking about um, Mariner going through the gauntlet of the hallway and everyone coming at her for different things. Then you got, like, the first person that she actually really talks to is Lieutenant Stephen Levy, who she actually went on a date with. And uh, she's like, oh, yeah, you're the guy that does it, that thinks that Wolf 359 was an inside job. Then she's got, right. uh, yeah. What was the, what were the other ones? Like, there's a couple uh, of... The other one was Changelings Aren't Real, the Dominion War Didn't Really Happen or something like that. Right. right. I have it written down, the exact quote. Let me see. Um, yeah, you, your favorite quote comes around this time. Yeah, right? th this is my favorite quote. Um Changelings aren't real. The Dominion War didn't really happen. <laughs> like, it's just like, well, those dumb people in real life who claim that true events in history didn't really happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing as Flat Earthers. <laughs> right. Can you, imagine Star can you imagine Star Trek if, like, the planets that they went to were flat planets? <laughs> I don't even understand the concept of a flat planet. I'm sorry. It just, it just hurts my head. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess in an animated series, because everything's two-dimensional, you could get away with that. I mean, what did they do? Did they just go under? Like, I don't I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like a disc or something, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just, oh, it just boggles the mind. Yeah. So then the next part we're, we're talking through, oh yeah, um, before we, I was about to skip over some other parts of the gauntlet, <laughs> there were, um, Vacation doctor actually uh, talks about her coital hooks, which kind of freaked me out a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ouch! And I'm not even yeah. a guy. And I'm like, ow! She has a thing for shacks. And uh, um, there's a USS Titan reference made here too, because they get the distress call, like a partial distress call from the USS Solvang. And the only other ship in the vicinity was the Titan, but they said, hey, you know what? It's probably Dayton, like, sitting on her console, new ship. Let's go check it out. And so they take the distress call. And in the meantime, you still see Mariner going through the gauntlet, getting um, 
uh, all kinds of gifts thrown at her for being the captain's daughter. Um, Billups brings hand pies. Um, Shax brings her a batlet. Boimler brings her a pre-written um, recommendation letter to go to the sack. And so that's when I think he calls it the sack, actually. We know about it because of Ransom talking about it elsewhere. But Boimler, you know, brings it up and she's like, wait a minute. If I go to the sack, nobody's going to know who I am. So she starts to button up. And like we also find out that Boimler is um, actually outranks her, mainly because she's been demerited so many times. So basically anybody's, I think everybody outranks right. her. Yeah, it didn't really occur to me until this moment that like the, the way that um, Mariner's sleeves are wasn't how it is supposed to be like i guess i always assumed it was like a short sleeved uniform but apparently it's like rolled up type of thing yeah you know it came up on uh an episode or two ago about a ransom coming down on boimler about his his uniform but i don't remember it being about the sleeve i thought it was about the collar part so right um, also i actually just ordered some of those uniforms um from a from a store, uh, you know, an overseas shop. So I'm excited to get my uh, to get my uh, lower decks uniforms coming in. Nice. <laughs> I'll wear one during the uh, what's it called during the disc uh, our, our discussion about discovery, uh, which we which we do next next week actually. Yeah. So then, um, when they get there, you know, we actually actually before we even get to uh, the Cal- back to the Cala system. We have a little bit more of Tendi and the the Exobot, and the Exobot chooses a name for itself. It's much like this is like a nice dig or a nice reference to the bots that we have today. You know, the bots that we have today. If you have two of them talking to each other, their conversations get really weird and really hilarious. They don't really, you know, it's like it's like one of those name generators. And yes, yeah. I still want a, you know, an Exobot. Uh, an exocomp uh, name generator <laughs> site <laughs> or like an app or something like a widget. Um, her name is Peanut Hamper. I think it's a her. I'm just going with that just because it had a feminine voice in my head. Then um, basically we start to see the uh, exocomp who was nervous for sort of take over Tendi's role as, you know, being the most competent person in the sick bay. And Tendi's optimism here. I don't know. Do you find it grating? Do you find it a nice change of pace? I I mean, I generally love Tendi's optimism. Like, I, I don't know. It's just always refreshing to hear it from her. And it's also, like, really funny. <laughs> so I have, like, I like no this. bad... I have yeah. no bad things to say about Tendi. I don't either. Because I, I, I know some people find her overly exuberant. Like, almost too exuberant. But I think that she's a nice balance to some of the other negativity that you know like just like the cynicism that some of the other characters have so i just like the fact that she's optimistic yeah about i mean I, I like her positive tendy c's <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> oh we love our puns <laughs> yeah okay so then we hit to the cal hit back to the callus system and then we get the um the the funnest like Easter egg ever. I just didn't think that this would be it. I was just really excited by it. <laughs> if you want to be the, the one to talk about our our uh, mystery aliens. Um, well, geez, like their <laughs> name just flew out of my head. <laughs> it's the Packlids. 
Yeah, the placards. I just restarted my Voyager turning to all those aliens in my head, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Total Voyager reference. But you know, um, in DS9, they, they showed a packlet uh, just on the bridge. That might have been just one of those things where they didn't realize. Not on the bridge, but just walking around the promenade in DS9. I remember seeing a packlet there before. I don't know where on their journey back um, they um, run into the packlets. But I just know them as a Voyager specific thing, and that that one random time I I spotted one on the DS9 promenade. Oh yeah, I wonder if it was actually one of them, or if it was maybe an alien that was similar, and they just reused like the same suit or whatever. It didn't have a speaking part. It was just an alien. But having, I think I was going like the multiple rewatches, and having, I think I just finished some episode of Voyager or something like that, and. The packlet stood out. Like I was like, "Hey, that's a packlet. What's that? What's that guy doing up there?" Um, but you're right. It probably could be. They could. They could write it off however they want. You know, it's it's make believe. We can we can change it however we need it to be. Right. <laughs> so then, uh, once we figure out it's the packlets, and you know, I loved what Ransom said. I thought the packlets were like, you know, I thought we could write them off as not very smart. You know, <laughs> not capable of this. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was. <laughs> Interesting. I just thought that was good. The um, the next scene. Well, when Boimler pulls up the screen, this is the one where I'm sure I missed the Easter eggs. I just didn't have time to look them up. This particular set of packlets. The ship was normally not that big, and they would lure um, unsuspecting other spaceships um, to to help them, and then they would actually just steal their technology. That's how the packlets worked. And there, the packlets were the toddlers of space because it would be like make it go. Fix it, make it go. You make it go, make it go, and and um, they they'd be brutishly um, evil if you didn't do what they said. So again, like a toddler, right. <laughs> so, um, we basically had um, you know we got to see that these particular packlets had a lot of technology, and that ship was like if you got like a couple of different Lego packs together and made ship like I used to do. Then um, they were no Star Trek Lego packs. It was just that I would pretend. Anyway, this oh, one, I see. <laughs> yeah, you're like, wait, there's Lego? No, no, it's just me and my old Lego sets. I would. Make. Well, I mean, there's Legos of like everything now, so it wouldn't have surprised me. There wasn't when I was a kid, for sure. They didn't okay. do specialty things that I was aware of, anyway. Not that my parents would let me have. So, right, because Lego Star Wars wasn't a thing until 1997, I think. With, with the episode one, right? Well, episode one came in 99. I think it was, like, oh. around the time of the special editions. Oh, got it. Oh, and the, with the, the redos? Yeah, with, like, that unnecessary job of the hut scene in Docking Bay 94. Yeah. And all the ne- unnecessary uh, star explosions in the background. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Those are the ones that bothered me. I actually didn't care about the job of the hut scene. I thought that was kind of fun. Oh, the job of the hut scene I absolutely dislike because Han steps on his tail and doesn't even get like punished for it. And also it repeats information that we already learned in the scene with Greedo. And it's just a terrible, like awful introduction to the Falcon. The best introduction to the Millennium Falcon is when Luke walks in and says, What a piece of junk. And like this just takes that away. Because that's I have true. Before. I didn't think about it that way. But anyway, this is Star Trek culture. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about Star Wars later. 
Right. Uh, all right. So on that particular ship, there are uh, on the Paclid uh, Franken ship, there are Klingon, Cardassian, Romulan, and two others. And it's the two others I'm going to look up later and then like ping the heck out of it when I figure it out. That are all conglomerated onto one giant ship. And there's also an unknown. And that unknown piece, I don't recognize either. Um, you'd have to go back through a lot more canon to figure out. And literally, it looks like a canon, which I thought was kind of maybe a play on words and drawing. I don't know. <laughs> um, and there could be. Because you and I tend to like see a lot of other things that maybe they're not really there. Who knows? Yeah, some, sometimes <laughs> we dig like too deep, like deeper well, than we probably should. Know. Contact a salmon is a thing. <laughs> so, well, they figure out that they can uh, inject the virus, and um, Badgie comes back. And one of the things I said a couple of weeks back about how the hollow deck on the Cerritos doesn't die seems to be accurate, because Badgie right. says, "What? It, like I forgot specifically. He said um, that he he's always been there, or something like that. Very specifically. Yeah, he, he's he, been watching and whatnot." And yeah, we predicted that Badgie would be back. It's it's not like a prediction that nobody else made, but it was just fun to see him like come back in this way. Like to me, that was the that was I didn't expect to see him again this season. That was the surprise to me. I, I think I did expect him this season, but then I forgot. And then when he came back in the finale, it was like, oh yeah, of course it would be in the season one finale. Okay, I guess that was the only one that was like. Too soon, <laughs> um, but, but perfectly executed. And to me, the too soon was only just because I just assumed that he would come back next year because I just like uh, Jack McBride. Right, like a Moriarty thing. Yeah, where he exactly. Comes back in a later season. Exactly, and you know he is a computer program, so he could come back. But there is a hiccup to that, which we'll get to in a second. So, well, Rutherford creates the program, but then Badgie says, uh, "Nope, I'm not going to let you upload it. Uh, you're going to have to do it." Uh, Physically, you have to be on the ship to do it, and I'm not going to let you do it. You know, he's, you know, Badgie's being Badgie. Oh, he had to uh, disable the safety protocols in order to get it loaded, and, yeah. etc. I think he tricked him into doing. But yeah, really funny. putting the bad in Badgie. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. That's what I, yeah. What happens when you study English? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then, you know, um, there's a battle on uh, on both ships, actually. The Paclet actually starts to board the Cerritos, and uh, we send our people over. We, as in Starfleet, we send our people over to the Paclet ship. <laughs> yes, these our are our people. These are our people. <laughs> we, we know them personally. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, um, I like the, I like the execu execution of the whole battle, like, uh, with, um, the stored contraband all over the ship. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing looked, um, like, well animated and, like, it was somewhat thrilling, I think. You know, kind of felt like a movie. So it they're definitely trying to inject incitement, excitement into the whole thing. Yeah. And Ransom's fighting style and the fact that he called it out and he's fighting just like Kirkwood because he was fighting with the, pardon the punch there, but... That and then the rolling. I, I don't know if you remember from TOS right. episodes, like how he would roll back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, in old TOS episodes, I loved whenever they do like the the volleyball hit on the back, <laughs> and that would like knock someone out. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that was Ransom's fighting style, which I thought was kind of funny because he's like seems to be the TOS expert or the TOS obsessed person. 
where like Mariner and the the lower decks people tend to be more of the TNG DS9 Voyager, you know, like they seem to like know those things a bit more. Well, nobody really references Voyager, I noticed here and there, but um, very specifically, Ransom seems to like uh, TOS. Well, I'm sure, we'll get lots of Voyager references and Prodigy, so maybe they're saving that those references for that. Yeah, we got the one that we wanted though for this one, which was that we got, um, you know, Janeway and um, Paris's child got got a name, and he's on the ship to get cured. <laughs> so, mm. Which I don't, yeah. To me, that was the re- that was a straight reference to Voyager, but we'll see. That got it was named Alan, I think. Um, all right, so then we are we're coming to something that I was kind of saving. Uh, just because it's a little sad. Well, um, it, the bomb is about to go off, and uh, you know the turmoil ends. Shax saves Rutherford, but dies in the process. So we did lose Shax. And what are your thoughts there about a character that I thought was really good for comedic relief and just a fun, uh, a fun foil for the captain? Is kind of gone. <laughs> um. So. I don't know. I wasn't really that attached to Shaq, so I kind of didn't feel anything. Ah. Um, but yeah, we get that little reference to DS9 with a mention of like Shaq's being with the prophets or something, I think. Yeah, yeah, but the, at the end, when um, during his funeral. No, I think the the, the attachment was because, you know, his lines were funny. And then also when you kind of knew something was going to happen to him or the doctor because the doctor professed an interest in him and i was like mm, what's about what about that that seems kind of different but then i thought about oh that'd be kind of cute to see Cation the joran kids <laughs> or what have you so um yeah i guess we're not going to see those um unless he left her with a surprise and he did actually get to hook up with her we'll see but guess who comes to save the day because as the cerritos is getting destroyed i'll let you take it from there yeah I, like the titan comes to save the day yay and who's captaining the Titan? Riker and Troy is there as well with him. So yes, yeah, because they're married by this point. Yes, they are married by this point, and so um, yeah, the Titan is. What class ship is the Titan? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure. Okay, and um, right there's a uh, the Saru's alien race is also on the bridge. Did you notice that? Oh, I didn't. Yeah, so sitting. It's Troy, Riker, and then uh, the Saru species, whose name I just... Oh, Doug Jones is... uh, A Kelpian? Yes, Kelpian. Thank you. Look at that. (laughs) Yeah. And also, while the battle's going on, I counted this as a separate Easter egg. The TNG theme was running the entire time. Yeah, I noticed that. And, um, well, so the captain is injured several times, and there's a lot of things where I thought the captain might die, but she didn't eat with Shaxx instead. So it was a lot lot of nice little... um, uh, red herrings thrown in that maybe the captain was gonna, you know, bite the dust, but instead it was Shax. And oh, see, I never thought she was gonna die. I I don't the first know why. Was... I just didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so when she got injured the first time and she survived it. I thought that maybe something was gonna happen later, but then when Shax dies, I was like, oh, they're not gonna kill two people off. It's <laughs> so, like, please don't. Um, right. You know. Um, yeah, but then she comes back, and I like another line of mine that I did like was like, you know, uh, Mariner is sitting in the captain's chair giving orders, you know, taking care of business. And um, 
uh, Freeman, Captain Freeman says, you know, don't get too comfortable in my chair. <laughs> yeah. So, I thought that was kind of nice. Um, so we get to the end. Everyone is saved that can be saved. And, um, well, Rutherford, um, you know, he makes it, but as part of that fight, he loses his cyborg implant. And we don't know what the implications of that are until the end. Yeah, like, he forgets, like, some of his memories, including, like, his friendship with Tendi. And it seems like it's going to be, like, really sad. But then Tendi is like, this means we get to know get to know each other all over again. And it's just... That was the sweetest thing. That was yeah. pitch perfect right yes. there. It was funny. Yeah. It was sweet and wholesome. I just... I think she's a great lesson in finding the, the joy in anything. You know, like, there's a way to look at it with a with brighter lens. It can, it can be horrible, but... Yeah. There could be something good to come out of it. Um, well, the other side was... Uh, I guess the, the, the bow tie for Freeman and Mariner is that... She likes the fact that Mara thinks outside the box and she does need somebody who thinks outside the box. So I wonder if um, if she can't become chief of security because she's so far below. But I wonder if she takes on more security role. Maybe she changes the uniform. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Cool. And then um, we also find out that... uh, Riker is the conduit for a lot of contraband. <laughs> right. That's because Riker and, and Mariner um, have a history, which I, w- I think they're going to explore that um, next season. That was a Comic Con. That was a New York Comic Con um, spoiler that we were trying to save towards the end. Um, uh, Jonathan Frakes and I believe Marina Sirtis will both be back next season. I'm hoping both will come back. Yeah, Definitely. I'm. I'm hoping it's just for one episode because I don't want the whole season to just be the TNG reference fest. Yeah. Like, I'm very worried about this becoming Discovery Season 2, which, even though it was great, it was obvious that they were trying to, like, appease the TOS fan base and, like, it very much altered the trajectory of the show in a way that didn't quite feel natural like it felt like a show by yeah it felt like a show by um like it felt like the fan reactions were guiding the show at that point because you know at the end of season one we do get the enterprise at the very end and at the time that reminded me of like the very end of star wars rebels season one where we get a certain familiar face and then that changed (laughs) the direction of the show and so i'm kind of getting Yeah, and so I'm kind of getting tired of this whole thing again. Like, yeah. having the first season of one of these space shows ending with, like, the arrival of a familiar crew that might overshadow the new characters. Like, they might not overshadow these ones, but I, I just really enjoy this show more when it's separate from, like, all this other stuff that we've already seen before. Agreed. It's like um, being the universe, literal universe, because it's our future universe, is big enough where they can have their own adventures. And yeah, you can reference it. And the references are wonderful. I, I love the the tongue-in-cheek ones. But when you start to bring in the characters themselves, it's like, well, how long are they going to stick around? Are they guests? Are they going to stay there forever? 
Um, as much as I love Riker and, and Troy, and you know, maybe maybe we see their kids that were referenced in Picard. I don't want they should then have their own show, right? And quite honestly, I think right. they should. You know. Yeah, and like Mariner even says to Boymore when she's trying to get in touch with him, and he's ignoring her. She she's like, "We will bump into each other. It's a small galaxy, and it's like." Yep, Star Trek and Star Wars, these things make it a small galaxy, and it's kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you have to think about it this way, too, though. They don't get to travel, you know, they can only travel so far anyway. So it is a big galaxy, right. it is a big universe, but they can only go so far anyway. And they have, you know, similar uh, ideals and, and, you know missions etc so potentially yeah but i think she because she's mariner she's gonna force it <laughs> so, right she's gonna do something to screw it up she's gonna like stow away onto the ship or something right. um let's see we're almost towards the end of the episode um i kind of like that uh boimler gets the promotion like you said to the titan and that he becomes the expert for the other uh, characters. Like he get, you know, they're talking about taking um, Commander Troy to Tilgata Ford. He's like, oh yeah, there's this great Andorian bar. Like he knows the layout, and it's because of his time with with Mariner. That was the episode two uh, where they had to take that uh, 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 Klingon uh, to that same planet, and uh, you know, they. I like yeah. I like the throwback, uh, the callback all the way. It, it was their own reference, which was kind of nice, right? It's their own yeah. reference back to themselves. It's like badgy, like whatever. Yeah, and there's um, also a reference to like the robot dog and stewing the T-88s earlier in this season. Yeah, yeah, because uh, that's right. I, I did note that. I was like, the recap of the season, why did I put that? Oh, that's because Rutherford doesn't remember anything. Right. So Tendi's having to catch him up on everything else. And I thought that was really sweet how she was doing that. With, um, we jump back over to the Titan and, you know, we see Boimler uh, comfortably on the bridge and uh, we get our one, uh, our wonderful Enterprise reference, which is... Oh, yeah, that, go ahead. I'll, I'll tell you my reaction after you say that. <laughs> so, um, a lot of us loved Star Trek Enterprise, wished it could go on for another season, really, really needed another season. A lot of us did not like the way it ended, which was that uh, we had um, Riker and Troy recreating the ship on the holodeck to get some information and some answers. So we see him coming off of the holodeck coming onto the bridge off from the holodeck talking about, yeah, I was just spending some time with the Enterprise crew. You know, it took a long time from getting from there to here, which is our favorite part of the song. <laughs> which yeah. was, I liked it. I, I, it was totally shoved in there and felt forced, but whatever. I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I, I, I liked that they put it in there. What are your thoughts on it? So I thought the reference to the song was funny, but so this isn't the exact instance where they, watch the Enterprise series finale because that happens during TNG so this is a yeah. separate instance yeah. but mm -hmm. even so like it just reminded me of that Enterprise series finale and so when it happened here I was like ew like yeah oh. I know that's the, that's the part that oh yeah none of us yeah I know I know some people <laughs> who actually liked the end of the Enterprise series I, I those people are tripping pun intended <laughs> oh yeah 
I, I, um, I respectfully disagree with them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So then we also, I love the way he ends it on jazz. And the fact right. that like, oh, jazz. <laughs> I, they don't show her rolling her head back and her eyes back, but you can just see her, like, yeah. imagine her doing that. <laughs> yeah, I could just imagine Jerry Seinfeld in B movie. You like jazz? <laughs> that whole meme. Oh, that's pretty funny. I wonder if they got, like, there was some reference to that, too. Like, tucked, like, no, I, I think I it's probably separate, but yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny, though. Anytime you reference Seinfeld, I'm on game. Cool. Yeah. We're actually at the end of the episode and at the end of our broadcast for the season finale. What we did say earlier at the top of the hour was that we were saving some references uh, from the New York Comic Con. Uh, we mentioned them as we went through about uh, Freaks coming back into uh, season two at some point in time and you heard Steven and myself, we're not really, we want that, but we don't want it to take over. So I love you, Mr. Frakes a lot, but I just, I want my lower decks to be my lower decks and you sort of deserve your own show. So we want to see them on their journey. I think that there's something special there that needs to be discussed. So I hope they do that. What are your predictions for season two? Uh, So season two, I think, Boymore is gonna, like, be super prideful, but he'll have to, like, learn a lesson about, like, he'll have to try to be humble, like, even after the promotion. Like, he'll learn that he shouldn't be all high and mighty about, like, where he is now, and he'll, like, miss the Cerritos, and I hope that, like, somehow, even if it means being demoted or transferred or whatever i do want him back on the cerritos like as soon as possible also i can't help but think of doritos whenever i say cerritos but that's (laughs) the whole tangent yeah Yeah. i'm thinking doritos because i'm still kind of (laughs) hungry yeah (laughs) (laughs) i never got to eat um then my prediction is that i forget the history of the titan of the ship itself within canon I wonder if we're going to get, like, uh, you know, like the ship gets destroyed because it's something Boimler does, and he has to go back to the Cerritos. But I know from the New York Comic Con commentary, Mike McMahon definitely said that Boimler will start the season on the on the Titan. Right. And I read into that that he doesn't finish the season on the Titan. <laughs> so. Right, hopefully. Like, maybe the Titan will be a season-long thing. I hope it's less than that, but I'm probably like being too hopeful about it not taking up the whole season when yeah. did Pulaski replace uh crusher was that in season two immediately yes i i think so mcmahon is doing the same thing where it's like uh there'll be a replacement for for boimler for uh replacement foil for mariner yeah. You know, you know what would be funny is if they began season two with Boimler back on the Cerritos, and they just don't mention why he's back and just like <laughs> keep going from there. <laughs> like we just don't talk about it. The section yeah. thirty-one thing, we just don't mention it. <laughs> sure. Well, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us, and Stephen, as always, thanks for hanging out with me. Appreciate your commentary with me on this. Next week, we actually start talking about. Season three. Star Trek Discovery season three premiere. It's going to be exciting. I'm really looking forward to talking to you about that. 
I need to go watch the two other seasons over again just because that's what I do to prep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm really excited about it being in the new era and hopefully a lack of Easter eggs. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, well, I wonder. There's going to be, they've got to be some really old Easter eggs, right? <laughs> I, I mean, like, because it's like in 3000 something. So right. it'd be, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like these, the characters on that show don't reference like other characters from other shows as frequently as the Lower Decks crew does. Yeah, they're a bit more serious over there, which is great. Yeah. It's fine. I love that cast. I'm just I'm looking forward to it. it and you know, my, you can see my smiles getting in the way of me speaking here because I'm excited about this show. Right. Well, thanks again, guys, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, catch more on Culture Slate and Star Trek Culture on Facebook and on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We're everywhere. There's social media. Uh, yeah. We will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Good long and prosper. <laughs>